Let's pray together. Lord, inspire us by your Spirit as we listen uh, to your word and as we uh, develop our understanding with your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Anastasis and Zoe. Well, I thought I'd try to be clever and call this sermon Anastasis and Zoe, the two Greek words for resurrection and life, as you might know, thinking that this was a new, unique discovery. I was a bit surprised to see that at least one person has beaten me to it. Indeed, there's a video online of a Nigerian preacher giving it loudly with a loud repetition of Anastasis and Zoe. Well, I'm not going to compete with loud Nigerian preachers, um, but some of you might also have heard these terms before because you might know that, for example, there's an actor who's called Zoe Anastasis. In fact, some of you might even know someone called Anastasis or Anastasia, and probably everybody knows a Zoe. But maybe you have never known the meaning of the words before. In John chapter 11, after the death of his good friend Lazarus, Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection, the anastasis, and the life, Zoe. The one who believes in me, even though he dies, will live. Anastasis means a standing up, or a raising up, or rising up again. It's the sort of word that lifts your spirit, just like the fans on the terraces of Murrayfield, when the crowds rise up together to shout the flower of Scotland with a heart-stirring words, but we can still rise now and be a nation again, can't we? <laughs> I'm not sure that's what Jesus had in mind when he made this statement to his dear friend Martha in need of consolation at the death of her brother. He did certainly mean it as a rising up from the dead. And not just like someone standing up. The context is clear. It's about someone who has died living again. But even in the singing together of stirring songs, there is something divine about rising up in resurrection. Something we humans are very much attracted to. Something that is in God. Something mysterious. Something that we ken to be beyond our ken whilst at the same time being something that is within our desire. We know it's beyond us, but we desire it nonetheless. If we look around us outside, we see at this time of year signs of resurrection, when the spring air yields growth from the apparent dead of midwinter. Dead-looking sticks suddenly have buds on them. Snowdrops and daffodils and tulips poke their heads out through the ground. Insects appear from nowhere. Nature has so much to teach us about resurrection and about the God behind it all. And none of this is to belittle death because experience the death, especially of a loved one, is probably the most traumatic thing any of us will ever face. Indeed, it was the death of one of his children that turned someone I knew away from organised religion. Such a tragedy to lose a child. But even though his faith died in some way, it was never completely dead and lost. It was changed. Years later, this lover of the outdoors was quoted as saying, He'd rather be walking on a hilltop, thinking about God, 
than be in a church building longing to be walking in the hills. And I was struck at how wise that was. Because God is in everything God created, God, and God can be found in everything God created. We all have times when our faith seems dry, and maybe what is happening is a kind of death awaiting resurrection. I was reading this week about St. Teresa of Avila and about how there were many times in her life when her faith was tested or that she just felt far from God or anything divine. She said this, I think we've got a slide. Yeah, for example, when we have trouble praying, Teresa recommends that we turn to nature, just like the friend I told you about. She says, let's go to some place where you can see the sky and walk up and down a little. I mean, it doesn't sound very highly spiritual, spiritual or theological, but her rationale was that since God is infinite and everywhere, sometimes we rejoice as much in meditating as part of creation as in meditating on the divine. So why limit ourselves to only one of creation's mysteries when there are so many? Teresa mentions, for example, the mystery of water, the sparrow hawk, and the tiny ant. Any of these, she said, is enough for a whole period of prayer, immersing us in the wonder and the wisdom of God. I like the idea that we can glean something of the wisdom of God by meditating on one of God's creatures. How wise of God to make an ant, and look how it works. And together a whole army working and moving in unison. How awesome and wise in the way they are together. Not that I'm saying that Teresa is encouraging the worship of creation rather than the creator. I think what she means is that the contemplation, contemplation and meditation will reveal the creator behind it all. Creation helps us to feel immersed in the wonder and the wisdom of the God who made it all. It's there for a purpose, it's there to draw people to God. The reading, reading from Job is a poem by a poet in awe of the works of creation and the wise maker who is to be found through it. Job says, but where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? No mortal comprehends its worth. It cannot be found in the land of the living. Is wisdom then to be found in the land of the dead? Is God to be discovered as the God who dies and rises again? I am the resurrection and the life, said Jesus to Martha. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. I am Anastasis and Zoe, resurrection and life. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die, even though they do. Though we didn't read the end of the Lazarus story beyond verse 35, the verse that says Jesus wept, the point at which, Je the point at which Jesus wept, we know how the story ended. We know that when Jesus gave the word, Lazarus was raised from the dead. Even although Jesus arrived at the tomb four days after the interment and was with a stone sealing the entrance, Martha can't believe that Jesus is asking for the stone to be taken away because the smell is going to be awful. To which Jesus challenges her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? 
Our faith is left to us to believe or not. Are we going to take God at God's word or not? Will we believe what Jesus has said or will we forget about it? To believe that God can raise someone from the dead means that God can do anything. It changes our whole world view of all things. If we put ourselves in Jesus' shoes, walk in his way, then with God anything is impossible. Climate change could even be fixed. Poverty and hunger could be eradicated. Disease and illness could be healed. Wars can end and peace can reign. Disagreements can be settled. People can learn to live together in harmony and learn to love one another. Workplaces can be transformed. Families and homes can change. True spiritual encounter changes our politics, our attitude towards money, our use of time, our relationships towards foreigners and the weak, our attitude towards war and nationalism, because we know ourselves to be citizens of God's big kingdom now. And we must be prepared to have a very different lifestyle as a result of encountering God and want to spend all our time on the one thing necessary, which is to grow deeper and deeper in love every chance we get. It's all about love after all. It's all about union. But let me finish with one final thought as I want to keep this sermon short because we're having our annual stated meeting after this. It's later in John chapter 11, in verse 52 in fact, that it is the high priest Caiaphas of all people who underlines the purpose of Jesus' death. He answers the question, why did Jesus have to die, with the words, his death is for the gathering together of all the children of God. That's what Anastasis and Zoe are for. That's what resurrection and life means, to bring together, the Greek word is synagogue, to bring together all people in God. Because it's all about love, it's all about union. So what might we do this week as we seek the God of Anastasis and Zoe, the God who raises up from the dead and brings life, the God who, to paraphrase Teresa, raises us up to love and guides us to do whatever best awakens love. Let's pray. O Lord, every encounter with you changes us. Make us unafraid to seek you and be changed by you, so that we might see resurrection and life, breaking out from the darkness of decay and death, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together. You're the word of God the Father.